In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. I am Garlic here, and today we're going to be talking social media, automating it, what's working, what's not, uh, with the CEO and founder of an awesome company called Targetable. Uh, before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by StoryCruise.com. If you're looking for video for your social media, need help with producing it, planning it, editing it, StoryCruise.com has videographers trained in marketing all around the world. So, Vlad Edelman is on our show today. Vlad, thank you so much hey for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here, Ian. Yeah, we're we're here in the. This is being recorded in the middle of the crisis, and he's supporting restaurants. So I really want to get out right before we get into it because he has an awesome background. But they're giving away two months free to all restaurants using their software. So I think that is amazing. Thank you for doing that. Um, no problem. And it's all businesses, Ian. We uh, primarily focus on restaurants today, but any any retail business could use the platform. All right. Any retail business. That's great. That That's really good to know. And that's huge right now for any retail business. This is the time. And everything's going to shift more to digital. It is the time to get in front of people. It, it's going to move up. So, but tell me a little bit about your background before we get into what's working, how much to spend that into more of the specifics. Sure. Um, so, you know, I was uh, born in Russia. Um, is that too too far back? No, that's um, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I grew up on uh, I grew up in Washington Heights in New York before it was uh, before it was hip, um, and back when we just uh, invented crack, and that was pretty much our calling card. Um, but uh, in uh, in terms of relative to to this, you know, my background is primarily in in media and marketing and. You know, I spent a lot of my career um, doing fun stuff on the digital side at large media companies. I ran CBS.com for uh, a couple of years. I built uh, ESPN's uh, mobile business from scratch. I was their first um, wireless employee um, and built that into a quarter billion dollar business in, inside a couple of years. Um, and then I, I spent uh, the other half of my career kind of on the dark side, which was the, the media and marketing side of big brands. Um, and, and agency land. And so when I left ESPN, I actually wound up running uh, one of the first text messaging platform uh, companies uh, in the space called Soapbox and quickly realized something that would be a theme kind of for the rest of my career after that, which is that, um, you know, clients and consumers in general don't buy technology just for the sake of technology. You really have to give them the use case. You need to give them the reason to, to want text messaging in this case. So I wound up essentially building an ad agency on top of this technology platform um, in order to rationalize and show customers how to use it. 
Um, long story short there, I kind of turned this this company around and sold it to Interpublic Group eventually and, and started a, a joint venture called Ansible, which today is still one of the largest mobile uh, ad agencies in the world. Did something similar for, Icon, uh, for WPP after that with a company called Icon and then uh, eventually settled into, you know, more of what I'm doing today, which is really focusing on retail technology and, and having spent the first 20 years of my career, um, you know, steadily watching and helping the physical world become more virtualized. Um, I'm now sitting on the other side of it and, and trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we bring the physical world um, or how do we bring the virtual world into the existing physical world um, more effectively? And so, um, you know, I'll get in more into what targetable is, but, um, you know, my, my last 10 years were spent um, doing things like developing tableside ordering tablets for the restaurant industry when I was at buzz time deploying, you know, 60,000 of those units and, and spending ungodly amounts of hours in, in kitchens and, and um, dining rooms and, and bars and everything else trying to figure out, holy crap, how am I going to run cable or how am I going to put a complex and sensitive piece of technology into this wet ranch sauced, you know, beer laden, um, you know, place that it really is, you know, if there's a, if there's an environment that says, you know, danger, keep out for technology, it's, it's bars, you know, or, or, or the backs, the backs of restaurants. And so I learned a lot about how to deploy retail tech. And I learned a lot about, um, you know, the tools that uh, a lot of retail technology was not delivering on and, and that the uh, customer really needed. And so that's where, that's where Targetable came from. Awesome. And briefly describe how the platform works. So, you know, the platform is is pretty unique in that it benefits from the fact that we worked as a uh, product development agency for the first four years of our life, um, which was pretty uh, a pretty unique way to, to get into uh, being a SaaS platform company, which, you know, this is my fourth startup. And, and, you know, what I tried to do is at the very least, just not make the same exact mistakes I've made in others trying to make new mistakes. And, and, you know, in doing that, you know, I decided early on, I wasn't going to take investment dollars and, and go off and into a garage somewhere, you know, and, and then, you know, yank a sheet off my car boat plane and, and, you know, watch everybody's face fall because I didn't listen to the market and, and didn't take the time to really figure out what the, what the use case was. And so what I decided is, Hey, I'm just going to start building solutions. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to force myself to build the kind of things that customers are buying because that's the only way that I would eat. And so, you know, I grew this company organically for the first four years of its life from zero to two million in billings, just going around and helping um, big retail companies like Buffalo Wild Wings, like Westfield Malls, like MGM Resorts, uh, Skechers Shoes, all of these companies just trying to help them solve the most vexing and the most immediate problems they were having. And, you know, the thing that kept resurfacing was, you know, this inability of, of large distributed chains or physical stores in general, their inability to be able to use real-time data and the data that helps inform, uh, you know, marketing about who they are because of their physical location and how highly relevant that is to be doing effective marketing. None of the tools developed for the digital ecosystem or for, um, you know, digital and mobile and e-commerce businesses, none of those tools are really designed with that in mind. 
And, you know, that is probably the single most important component of marketing uh, a physical business is the fact that it, it is in the physical world. The fact that it has hours that it's open and, and days of the week where it's relevant and all these things around it and weather and traffic and houses of worship and stadiums and people driving by and all these things are incredibly relevant. And yet there there's no tool out there that helps contextualize advertising with that uh, data in mind. And so having solved that with lots of different tactics for, for our customers for four years, we stopped at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019 and decided, you know what? We've built a successful agency, but that's not what we set out to do. We set out to build a SaaS platform. <laughs> so why don't we take all this intelligence, look at the thousands of campaigns that we've run, see what worked, see how our customers used it. And why don't we try to build a platform that does what our agency does um, in a much bigger, much more automated way. And so what Targetable is by the end of the, the, the spiel here um, and what we launched last November is a completely virtualized ad agency. You know, the platform, you know, within 90 seconds of engaging with a customer and getting your Facebook credentials, it's built out a rich data profile that includes every shred of digital uh, information about you from the uh, digital ecosystem that it's collated. It includes all the data that's relevant to you because of your location. So weather feeds and traffic feeds and demographics, psychographics, all that stuff. And it is already within 90 seconds creating fully formatted ads for Facebook and Instagram that are ready to be published straight out of the platform that are ready to be optimized and that have all of the benefit of that data already infused into the ad um, and part of the creative and part of the media buying strategy that the system generates. Um, and so that's targetable. Nice. And, you know, we talked about it beforehand, um, but a lot of people focus and think that ads don't work uh, <laughs> or that they shouldn't be spending money on digital advertising. It should just be organic Facebook posts or organic. No, ads don't work. That's why there's so many of them. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. And I, I agree with you completely. I think one of the biggest mistakes, you know, I, I came out of an SEO background and, you know, it, it was just completely focusing on SEO and not using ads to harness it and to work with it. Um, why is it so important that retail restaurants be doing actual digital advertising? Well, you know, it's the famous kind of, you know, John Wanamaker uh, uh, quote, right? I know half my half my ads don't work. I just don't know which half, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the problem with advertising is twofold. One is there's a little bit of a black magic around it. And so, um, you know, while most people don't look at, you know, what a doctor does or what a lawyer does or what any specialist does and say, yeah, I could do that with absolutely zero um, education and understanding or knowledge about it, I'm pretty sure I could just go out there and start doing that at a pretty high quality level. <laughs> um, that's what people think about marketing, right? There's a level of dismissiveness and a level of assumption with everyday people that I've run into for the course of, you know, my kind of uh, uh, going on 25 year career here that not only do they not understand the power of marketing, they don't even understand what marketing really is. Right. And, mm. and, you know, and when they and when you don't understand it, you, it's very easy to assume that you could do it really well. And what the problem is that that um, the industry really hasn't helped, which is that, you know, while, uh, you know, there is no there is no assumption on the part of 
the ecosystem that if you own a pizzeria in the corner of a Chicago street, that you should also know how to code your own websites and, and uh, you know, be able to launch your own e-commerce sites. Um, there is this assumption that you should be able to sit down and with pretty uh, quick, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, with a pretty short uh, educational curve, be able to use Facebook's ad management platform or Google's AdWords system and buy your own digital ads. <laughs> Why? <laughs> right? It's, it's a very complex thing to do. It is very difficult to do well. Um, and the, the reality, though, is that when it works, it works like gang bang, uh, bang, busters. Blech, sorry. Um, and it works like gangbusters because, to give you an example, a lot of people think that um, it takes a lot of money to, to have good marketing. Or, you know, real marketing is, you know, the Apple big, um, you know, uh, brand campaign of, you know, running with the hammer and breaking the, the Orwellian screen. When the reality is, is $30 spent the right way on local uh, digital media will drive material difference in your business every single day, right? So $5 spent a single day. We have customers where... Um, you know, uh, you know, they are spending between 30 and 40 bucks uh, per week, driving 10, 11, 12 percent increases in total gross revenue on a month to month level for a restaurant, you know, that is that is running on thin, thin margins of 15 or 20 percent, um, you know, at, at a, let's say a million bucks for the year. That is a really material impact. You know, we've got campaigns running for customers that result instantaneously in, in 20, 30, 40 reservations the next day or the day after. Marketing works. The problem is you have to do it correctly and you have to do it continuously um, the right way. And that's the biggest mistake that our customers make before they get to us, which is they work for so long and they struggle for so, so much to get an ad made that once they've made that one ad, you know, they don't want to make another, they don't want to make another one and they don't want to have to figure out the media strategy and they don't have to think about the fact that to be successful, you have to do it over and over and over again every single day. And you have to do the right thing all the time, every day. And that's work. Right. And so and so, you know, the problem is not with our customers, not the fact that they're not creative or, or that marketing is so complicated that nobody can understand it. They can. It's the marketing is actually really hard work. And, you know, either you have to spend the money and hire the right people uh, to do it, which is expensive, or you have to use a tool like ours that just does it for you automatically because robots are better at media buying than humans. And that's really the only, there's no shortcut. And that's when you take those shortcuts is when you realize that marketing really does work and that you really can lose business because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, you nailed it on the head. It's, it's definitely work and, and yeah, education and uh, testing stuff out and having a passion for it. And it's funny, you're right because people think, Oh, I can do that until they realize, Oh, this is really hard to do it. Right. <laughs> but um, exactly. Look, I can I can do brain surgery, but I I, I can't do it right. Because <laughs> give me a scalpel, I'll get in there. I'll get, I'll get, I just know from trying really hard and reading a lot of newsletters that I can probably get this done for you. 
<laughs> yes. And you know, I, I, I have an iPhone so I can make, I can make super high quality videos. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I think on the flip side too, the problem is, is that there's a, a, such a lack of a barrier to entry that there's a lot of people just flying into the agency space saying, Oh, I, I ran, I can use Facebook ads manager so I can run your ads for you. And then people get burnt as well. Um, which I love that you have successfully, sorry to interrupt you. And I successfully ran a couple of campaigns for my business. So that means that I should be able to do it for yours, or it just means that I should be really judgmental because I think you should be able to do it as well, just because I figured out how to do this, this one time. But it's like, it's, it's show me, Show me the the restaurateur who is a, a brilliant digital marketer and does it perfectly every single day, and I'll show you a restaurateur who isn't running his restaurants yep. <laughs> because you know there's there's no way that you're doing both exceptionally well at the same time, not personally. Mm-hmm. And you know, so let's talk a little bit about right now in this. You know, with we're in the middle of lockdowns. Obviously, these businesses are suffering, and they've had a shift. What are the keys to being able to shift and be nimble in your marketing at times like this? Well, I mean, there's a couple of uh, super relevant um, things that I think are are important to cover here. And part of it is um, on the purely operational side, by the way, before we even get into marketing, you know, I can't tell you how many emails and text messages and and. Uh, other ways of communicating with me I've received from restaurants that are blurry photos of their menu, you know, being flipped with a hand in the middle um, saying, Hey, you know, order from us. (laughs) And and I know, and, and, you know, it's, it's easy to, to um, it's easy to, to ridicule those and, and, you know, and I do understand and we talk every single day to people who are, panicked, who are, who are desperate, whose businesses have been shuttered for weeks now, um, who are not getting any cash flow, who don't under, who don't know how, you know, they're going to survive this. And so, and so I have a lot of, lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, feelings for the fact that, yeah, they didn't know how to do marketing before. And they certainly didn't figure out how to do it now in the, in the middle of a pandemic, um, you know, which is now crisis marketing, you know, you know, it was hard enough before. Um, and so they're resorting to, to the tools that they have and just kind of trying to bully their way through it. But boy, if there was ever a time to be clear, if there was ever a time to be succinct and, and to the point and know what you're doing, it's now. Because the the guys who are taking photos of their menu um, and just sending it to a customer are, are saying a couple of things. One is, I don't know I'm not sure what I even want to sell you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't respect you enough to, to even, you know, bother designing something, you know, to, to, for the, for the unique um, thing that's happening around us. And so what I would say before you even get into marketing is take a look at your business really close and make sure that you are not using your regular menu anymore, that you are uh, narrowing down to the four or five things that are super shelf stable, that are easy to make, that are great for curbside and pickup and delivery. Um, you know, make a really simple to go menu that you can distribute in digital formats and that's easy to, to, uh, for people to read and legible. Make sure it's on every single piece of your digital ecosystem. And by the way, 
you know, if you've been kicking the can on your digital persona stuff, if you've been kicking the can on Google for business and, and your map ID page and, and your Facebook presence and everything else that you've kind of left to be kind of so-so okay because you didn't really think anybody was looking, like this is the end of that, right? So mm-hmm. because everybody's looking. The only place where people are finding you right now is, is um, online. We're not finding you on billboards because none of us are driving. We're sitting in our, in our cooped up houses with our kids. Not that I'm complaining. I love them. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there's a thing is too much love. Um, <laughs> so, so fix all of that stuff. And it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to go and make sure that the right information is in Google My Business um, and not the, you know, the address to some warehouse that you know, sells mannequins instead of your place. And you know, so that's first. The second piece is... Clarity and simplicity are again are going to be really critical, and you know consistency and frequency are what you're going to be looking for. So um, don't overbuy the geographic area. You know just because you're going to find an audience that you think is going to love your restaurant or your product or anything that you're talking about for retail, the fact that they're 70 miles away that should immediately discount them as somebody that you're going to be sending uh, advertising to because they're never going to drive all the way to your restaurant to pick up any food. Right. And that's a really simplistic thing, but it's a mistake that a lot of our customers make where they look for lookalike audiences and things like that. And then they find them so far away and they still buy them. And we ask them, well, why did you, why did you buy this? This is just a waste of money, but, but they're perfect for us. That phrase, they're perfect for us, is the bane of <laughs> bane of our existence because, you know, perfect doesn't mean uh, that they're actually your customer. It just means that they meet the criteria. But if they don't meet the simple criteria of geographic reach, then it doesn't matter how many other criteria they meet because they're not going to come to your place. Um, so, you know, those are the kind of the building blocks, the, the simplicity, the revision of all of your digital properties to make sure that everything is current and accurate. And then, you know, what, what's interesting is somebody put it, actually, this isn't my phrase, so I won't take credit for it, but one restaurateur put it to me this way, which is the price of risk has never been cheaper. So mm-hmm. you have put off, uh, you know, using uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats and everything else because they're expensive and they take a big chunk out of your revenue and all this other stuff. Well, guess what? Most of them are zero rating their delivery charges right now. They're all competing for your business. They're all on fire in terms of the amount of business they're doing because everybody's ordering. Experiment now. You know, take the time to to test stuff. If you wanted to test a new concept, if you wanted to try a new dish, if you wanted to, um, you know, try one of these services or, or, you know, try a different digital service, try it today because it's never been cheaper risk-wise. What do you have to lose? Right? Yeah. People are confused right now anyway, and there's so much mayhem and anarchy and chaos going on that, you know, it's it try a lot of different things because because as you go back to business and things go back to normal, that cost of risk and the intelligence and data you're going to take with you from this, this time is going to be invaluable. And it can either be stuff that expires the moment you do it, or it could be lessons that and data that you can then use for years to come. Yes. And so let's talk about years to come because, I mean, 25 years of experience, and I'm assuming from the timeline that you were in in New York City during September 11th, um, you know, what 
what do you see coming out on the other side of this? Because I think it's, I mean, we're in a minimal monumental shift and you have to kind of make, take some bets right now. What would you be betting on how things are going to shift and what people should be doing right now to set up for the next stage? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, unfortunately, I actually watched the towers fall um, and that was uh, quite a, quite Oof. a, and, um, you know, but it's interesting because, you know, during that time, um, I remember quite clearly that in the days after, you know, we were told to go out and to spend and not to let, you know, the terrorists and not to let terror win. Um, that's not what is being said today. Yeah. <laughs> today is stay indoors um, uh, and don't go to stores and don't go to restaurants and, and don't risk your life and, and other people's lives. And so, um, you know, here, here's what's the, the sad truth, which is I think that, you know, out of the 700,000 or so restaurants in, in the U.S., um, you know, a lot won't survive this um, because, you know, a lot were already kind of teetering on the edge. Um, restaurants in particular are a labor of love for a lot of people. They're not great businesses to run. Um, they're really hard businesses to run and, and you have to be good at a lot of things and you have a very, very small margin of error for things that you don't know how to do or the things that can go wrong. And unfortunately, that means that most don't have a lot of cushions and, and can't really afford this. And so out of those 700,000, I'd be surprised if, you know, if, if probably a six-figure amount of them never made it to the, to the end of this or, or never reopened. But I think that the ones that will reopen and the ones that will make it um, are going to be a new breed. You know, they're going to be uh, more nimble, going to be much faster reacting, um, and they're going to be much more flexible. I think th these are the things that are going to, you know, I don't think that this whole thing is, uh, this whole crisis is creating any new trends as much as it's accelerating tremendously trends that are already underway. You know, things like ghost restaurants and ghost kitchens, um, you know, things like fully virtualized, um, you know, the delivery services and multi, multi, uh, multi-pronged delivery services, things that, you know, things that have been um, obviously the future, but have been slow to grow um, because of adoption or because of the kind of um, uh, entrenched models, that's all been blown up. And so the, the companies and the, and the types of businesses that are going to survive this and that are going to, to thrive um, are going to be really fascinating because I think they're the ones that are going to embrace technology, that are going to embrace flexibility and operating model flexibility. They'll be able to deliver your food as easily as serve it to you on a table as easily as let you pick it up. Um, and it's never going to be different quality and it's never going to be um, more or less expensive. It's always going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, consistent and, and uh, excellent. They're going to figure out, you know, how to manage their staff in a way that's much more economical, because I think that's something that's been really, um, you know, uh, shed light on, which is how in insane the staffing uh, model of restaurants really is um, and how expensive it is and how, um, you know, rigid it is. So, um, you know, that's really it. I think that restaurants, like a lot of businesses, are going to come out stronger for this. Yeah. 
and it's going to it, the ones that survive will. It's, absolutely. it's absolutely. yeah, and it, yeah, and you're you're so right. We just everything. Yeah, it's one of those things I was looking at. I'm like, is there there can there be another pub right or another uh, brewery? And you know they're just popping up all over the place. I'm like, something's going to happen because there's just too many of them. Um, it's almost like this is a great I keep saying like this is a great time to really understand what consumer packaged goods nobody really wants. Right. Because you only have to go to a grocery store to see that like cream of bacon broccoli soup. That's like the only thing that left on the shelf because everybody was hoarding like the chicken noodle stuff. Like it's really hard to hide now if you're a crappy product because you go into a store and it's like, oh, look, it's, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's polyester scented, uh, toilet paper. It's <laughs> and everything else is sold out. You know, it's funny you say that I was in North Carolina in, in the mountains when everything started to happen. And, uh, you know, we went to the grocery store like, and we're like, well, let's stock up and be careful. And, and, uh, and I went, walked through the only things that the store was out of was toilet paper, obviously ground beef, and Vienna sausages. And I'm like, that's really very interesting. <laughs> there was a run on Vienna sausages. <laughs> I don't see a with that. Do you see a problem with that? Do you have a problem with Vienna sausages, Ian? I don't have a problem with it. I just I have a problem with people who have a problem with Vienna sausages. <laughs> I have a problem that, that that was where everyone went was. <laughs> I mean, well, I guess. I gotta be honest with you. If you're gonna be stocking up on Vienna sausages, you might as well be stocking up on toilet paper. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm like, well then, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, this is great information. If you were to tell someone right now, I mean, sign up for it. You know, what would be the thing you do right now? And what would be the one thing that restaurants would do and retail establishments would do to prepare for the next six months? Well, poo, man. I mean, (laughs) so many things. I mean, look, you know, one of the most common mistakes that we see is the is not just um, as I was saying earlier the the uh, absolute amount of money that are that is being spent on marketing, but it's also the frequency and the consistency with which it's being spent. Mm. Um, you know, marketing is not about that big one-time you know Super Bowl ad that's going to land you all the business. The type that's that's one percent of the marketing world. That's one percent of the budgets that are spent. Literally, like I'm not even exaggerating. That is like one percent. The rest is the day in and day out. You know, bringing home the bacon advertising that's transactional, that's digital, that's two for one, kids eat free, family night. It's the it's the everyday marketing that that is that permeates the entire marketing ecosphere. And it's what consumers actually respond to. And by the way, they do respond to it, or we wouldn't still be advertising $2.99 instead of $3. You know, every time somebody looks at that and says, you know, man, does that still even work? Like, are we, does anybody think we're that stupid? Yes, we're that stupid. Yes, it does work. And you'll see studies, <laughs> after, studies after studies of people consistently hitting the, the, button instead of the $3 button because of the perceived value, because of the perceived savings. And because if you think that you are too smart for advertising, the the reality is marketing's not too smart for you. You're just not realizing you're being marketed to. And so, you know, the reality is our customers don't spend enough money. And when they do spend enough money, they don't do it consistently enough. 
And so what they should really be doing is looking at their business, looking at the top line of their business and thinking the rule of thumb is really, you know, you should be spending at least 3% of your top line revenue on, on advertising and marketing to begin with, particularly transactional. And you should be spending at least half of that 1.5%, um, you know, uh, on digital local marketing. And so uh, if you look at those numbers and take into, into account a business that's, let's say, making a, a million bucks a year just for the sake of round numbers, what does that average out to? It averages out just to about a thousand bucks a month in digital advertising. Now, if I asked you how many businesses you knew that consistently spent a thousand dollars a month on digital advertising month in and month out, out of $10 million businesses, how many do you think would say, yes, they do that? Uh, yeah, 20%. Barely, right? And the reality is that's the bare minimum. Successful customers that we have and successful businesses spend closer to 5% and closer to 2.5% on the digital side. It's not a lot. It's not a lot to ask a million dollar a year business operating at you know, 20, 25% net margins to, to spend one. 0.5% of their overall budget on digital advertising. Mm -hmm. Most, some of the most trackable, some of the easiest to attribute uh, marketing on the planet. And so, you know, the ones who are going to succeed are the ones who are fully going to understand that, you know, that marketing is not a parlor trick and it's not a surprise, ta-da, and it's not a reveal. It's a process and it's a expertise and it's a, um, uh, you know, and, and it's a craft and it's something that needs to be done consistently and at the right level to produce results. So if you don't spend enough on marketing and you don't do it often enough, don't be surprised that marketing doesn't work for you. Yes. Because you're not working and you're not actually doing it the way it's supposed to be done. And uh, on a side note too, I, I think you're dead on, but the time you right now and probably for the next few months, you're going to get you, that 5% is going to be the equivalent of spending 20% because it's a, people are spending less and you have more eyes on it than ever before. I mean, it's like our ad costs just went, went through the floor and the results went through the roof. Now, are we getting the, as high a conversion on the back end? No, but we're acquiring potential customers at a 10th of the cost that we were prior to this. So it's, it, it's, it, I mean, it, it's funny, you know, I, I'm talking about this because it's like investing in the stock market. People are all looking at the stock market like, when should I buy? I'm like, you should be investing your money in your business. Right, right now, by the way, if you really want to, you know, you have to buy when it's probably least comfortable to buy because yep. that, that's, people don't understand, like, nothing comes free. Like, nothing is, you're either, you're either paying in risk or you're paying in anxiety, or you're paying in dollars, but you're always paying, you know? And so if you want to, you know, if you want to win, then you're going to, you're going to have to do one of those things. And, you know, if you want to buy cheap and, and win on the stock market, well, buddy, today is the day because the market is going absolutely bananas up and down. So, so grab one of those down cycles and, and buy away, you know, but but know that there's risk involved because the whole earth might, you know, succumb to a pandemic in the next month, but then who cares? Cause the market is going to be the last thing you're going to be worried about. No, yeah. but to get back to your point, I mean, you know, when I said that risk has never been cheaper, that's true. Audience share has never been cheaper either. You're right. I mean, 
If you want to experiment with messaging, if you want to experiment with a new format, if you want to experiment with a new giveaway, with loyalty, with registering people, grab them now because they are so, so affordable. Yes. Um, And that is not something that's going to happen again anytime soon. I have never seen the kinds of rates that we're seeing right now. Yep. Um, To your point. And you know what? You know, when you do it right, we've got customers, you know, we're right now, we're growing at 4x, 5x our typical growth from before pre-COVID or pre-quarantine because customers are realizing that big chains and stuff where, you know, we work with um, some of the bigger chains um, in the in the restaurant world. Um, whether it's Carl's Jr. or, or Pyology or, or um, Nathan's Famous. Um, and uh, Nathan's is a great example. We just, um, you know, we just concluded a couple of um, big uh, pieces of work for them delivering, you know, 10, 10x the reach and quality of, of um, uh, uh, audience that they would get on their circulars or, or traditional advertising. If you're buying Valpac or you're buying radio or you're buying um, traditional uh, cardboard media or, or mailers, please stop, please. Like it's, you're just flushing money down the toilet. Nobody reacts to Valpac, nobody, but nobody, you know, reacts to uh, traditional cardboard media anymore. And so take every single dollar that you're flushing down the toilet there and put it into Facebook, put it into Instagram, put it into Google, put it somewhere where it's actually going to do some work and some good. Um, and, and you're, where you're going to be investing in your own brand's future, as opposed to just, you know, uh, uh, shotgunning money across a whole bunch of different, uh, media, hoping something sticks. Yes. Such good advice. I'm not usually this strident, but it's hard to watch people, you know, just really, um, just waste money. Like it's, 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 it's hard. for, For me, it's harder to see them waste opportunity. I'm like, everyone's freaking out and I'm so excited for businesses. I'm like, you have such an opportunity because things are, when there's shifts is the biggest opportunity and you'll never see it again, never see it again. And, and virtual is, it's going to go through the roof. And, it, you know, you have people that have never bought online, never bought, you know, done Uber Eats, never done any of this stuff. Now it's a part of their habit and it's Absolutely. not going to go away. And it's wonderful. And you know what that means? That means more competition. And you know what that means? That means cheaper rates. That means not 30%, you know, from DoorDash and Uber Eats, but maybe there's going to be more competition and more consumers. And that means you're going to, you know, wind up only having to give away 10% of your, of your top line. But the reality is somebody is putting in that infrastructure and putting in that, those drivers and spending the money to build those companies to deliver your food. So yeah, it's, it costs 20 or 30% of your current check because it's expensive to do that. Yep. And if you're a customer and you're complaining about the fact that you're paying 30% more, because you're getting your food delivered to you, you're getting your food delivered to you. Mm-hmm. That's, that is a luxury that you have to pay for. And so, you know, I, I have very little patience for a lot of the criticism that, you know, some of these newer technologies get in the, in the early stages, because, you know, innovation and, 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 um, and comfort and things like that, they don't come free. Like somebody had to build the infrastructure <laughs> of Uber Eats and DoorDash for you to be able to sit on your couch in your boxers and, and order a three course gourmet meal from a French, you know, restaurant. Yep. Yeah. And if you're not paying for it in, in dollars, you're paying for it in your data. So don't complain there either. That's my, my second, yeah. My second gripe is everybody who complains about Facebook and data. I'm like, uh, last I checked, Facebook was still free. 
So yeah. <laughs> you think you're paying for that gargantuan infrastructure. You think you're paying for it? No, you're just complaining about it. <laughs> well, that, I think that's a whole nother show. But we'll definitely... Yeah. Uh, we'll <laughs> that's the two old men griping about technology. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're on the younger side. <laughs> Oh, well, Vlad, we'll definitely have to have you back after things have shifted again. Uh, But thank you so much for being on the show. This has been fantastic. Make sure to check out the website, you know, if, and if you're listening to this in the next, you know, during the middle of the crisis for the next two months, targetable.com is free to sign up and it can definitely help your restaurant get on there, get going your retail uh, Vlad, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Ian. This was such a blast. And by the way, after two months, we're still pretty cheap at 149 bucks a month. So check us out after two months too. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll still be there. Awesome. Yeah. And those numbers, uh, you know, you can't beat those numbers. So, well, thank you all. Thank you so much. And thank you all for taking Vlad and I on your journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know what will make you an authority? you know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook.